Hi, Laurie. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? Thank, uh, thank you for being here, first of all. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Laurie Parsons, and um, I go to church with Troy. So that's how we know each other. I do music at the church and have been involved with that for going on, I guess, 24 years. Uh, and love Jesus and uh, are, I'm thrilled to be here. That's great. Um, so how are you dealing with the, uh, the current difficult situation? Um, I would say it kind of depends on the day. I am very up and down in, you know, my emotions. Um, I would say I'm struggling mostly uh, mentally. Um, I have all my physical needs met. Fortunately, I'm not out of work. So God has been really faithful to provide for us financially. I'm able to get food. Um, I have most of my family around me, so that is a comfort. And yet I still find myself just despairing sometimes um, and imagining the worst. <laughs> uh, my personality is one that uh, probably thinks about the what ifs. And uh, I imagine things that could happen in the future that may not necessarily come true, but um, Sometimes it's hard to shake those fearful thoughts. Okay. So uh, is there anything you do particularly to try to get over that thought or? Yes. Um, so as a believer, I'm, um, I'm a big believer in the word of God. And um, I have a very regular routine of reading scripture, usually every morning. Sometimes it might be a different hour of the day, um, but that is helpful. And sometimes uh, when I am thinking unclearly or uh, having negative thoughts, it can be an encouragement to me. And also I discovered... Um, I'm really struggling with prayer right now because it's so overwhelming. There's so many things to pray about. Uh, so I've been journaling and writing my prayers down. And, and it may not just be prayer, but prayers incorporated and just writing down my thoughts. Uh, it's very freeing to kind of put some of the stuff that's going through my brain into words on paper. Uh, and so that's been a help for me, too. And uh, sometimes I'm more honest when I write it down than when I might say out loud. Uh, right. And I mean, we know God knows our thoughts uh, and we don't have to speak it for him to know the truth. But yet it's for me, I can be a little more authentic by just writing my thoughts and prayers in a journal. What's what's dominating your mind right now? Um, well, I've got a lot of things going on. Uh, just general loneliness. I, um, I am blessed to have a family. You know, it's not like I live by myself and my heart really goes out to single people. I have several single friends and I know this uh, is not easy for them. And even some of my friends who are 
considered introverted are really struggling. Um, you know, they, they usually tease us extroverts about how they, they need time alone. And <laughs> I think this was a little bit extreme. Like they, they weren't asking for this kind of loneliness. <laughs> right, right. Um, and one thing that's hard for me is uh, like there are no women in my home. So I do feel a little bit like I process things differently. And so it may be a little harder for me to talk things out with the men in my family. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm also dealing with um, exhaustion. Like I shouldn't be this tired. Uh, you know, like I'm probably working fewer hours and uh, obviously we're not racing to a lot of activities right now because we're supposed to be in our homes and yet it's, it's hard to be motivated uh, and I'm not sleeping great. I wake up at the night and then I remember, oh yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um, and most people are having some anxiety about the future. Uh, I worry about the economy. I'm not even a numbers person, but I know that this is, you know, really hurting us economically. And I'm concerned about my children who are in their 20s and um, trying to finish up graduate school and whatnot and whether they're going to have jobs, you know, like, and that, that means, you know, the summer, it's really going to be interesting. Uh, but even for the future, like, what's it going to look like in a year? Are we going to rebound from this, you know? Um, and then probably my biggest thing that I'm struggling with is frustration. Because I have a friend who's very sick with cancer. And I can't, like, be near her. Like, I, I would go by her house and give her a hug and chat with her about once a week. Other than just typical phone calls, texts, things like that. And I can't do that right now. And so um, I don't really know how things are going to turn out for her. And I feel like the time is slipping away. Um, and that kind of ties into just my impatience. And I can really relate to David when he said in the Psalms, how long, Lord, how long? And I mean, I know it's pitiful. It's been like a month, but it just shows how we, um, you know, we're not used to this situation. We're not used to being um, told to stay home. We're not used to this lack of human contact, this lack of freedom. Um, about the only thing I can do and feel like I'm free is to get into my vehicle and drive around. <laughs> and I do that sometimes just to kind of clear my head. And um, I'm spending a lot of time outside and just, you know, I'm amazed at the beauty of God's creation. I've always enjoyed being outside and feel closer to God, but it's even more precious right now because it brings joy to me. And, um, and I just continue to, um, I know it's not right, but I continue to wonder if God is good, you know, in the midst of how painful this is for a lot of people. And maybe not just me, but I feel for others who are isolated, who are um, like, how about the people that are care, health care workers, and they're not able to go home and be with their families because they've been exposed to the virus. Um, just a lot of uh, stuff. And 
And then, as you know, because you're close to it, uh, we had tornadoes hit right, the upstate. Right, yeah. And um, and I couldn't help but say, uh, God, like, wasn't it bad enough? <laughs> did we have to? Did we have to have all that too? So, um, so those are. I know it's a lot. Like I'm dealing with a lot. That's why my brain just never turns off. So I mean, probably everyone's every, everyone's dealing with the same kind of doubts and same kind of uh, emotions, and because I, I I can relate to a lot of them. And the mm -hmm. first thing I noticed was that the, the tornado thing. Why like, it, it is a great timing, seriously. Like you're right. It is so great. Um, but how much of is is it God's fault? Do you think? Hmm. Wow, that's a loaded question. So um, you and I go to the same church, so we kind of we supposedly believe in the sovereignty of God. All right, which means that God is completely in control. And parts of that are really, really comforting, you know, because I'm sure glad I'm not in control. I mean, I think I'd like to be in control, but the reality is there's no way I could handle it. You know, I can't handle that. So we know he's a sovereign king. And then we wonder, well, if he's sovereign and in control, then why do bad things happen? So, um, and I guess the only thing that we can reconcile is we know that we live in a fallen world and that wasn't that wasn't god's fault because he is perfect we were the ones who brought sin into the world and so things happen because of result of sin um what's what's hard for us is that we still think that bad things happen to us because we've done something bad and that's not really the case. Um, God is not punishing us. However, he does use really difficult things to bring us to himself so that we're not relying on ourselves. And um, we also have this thing, and I think Americans are particularly bad about it. Uh, we often think, oh, I don't deserve this. Like that's even if we don't say that phrase out loud, we think, I don't deserve what's happening to me, you know, like, and I, as I'm reading scripture, I see that bad things happen to everybody, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, people were immune to that. For instance, I've been reading about King David, all right, and we know from scripture that he was a man after God's own heart. And yet, if you read his story, starting in 1 Samuel, Saul, the king before him, was constantly trying to kill him. And David spent a lot of his life running away and hiding from King Saul. And, and so that's kind of weird, in my opinion. Lord, if you, if you loved him, if he was a man after your own heart, then why was life hard for him? And so we don't, we don't want to deal with anything hard. We, we like our comfort and comfort is something that, that just um, is real high on our priority list. And yet God, God never said life wasn't going to be hard. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Jesus often told them that it would be hard because we're Christians, you know, that, um, that the world has, he said, the world hated me and they're going to hate you. And, um, 
in, I think it's John 16, he says, um, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So uh, why we think we're immune to suffering is kind of strange because God never said that. And um, I, I think what I'm trying to remind myself of is that he is there for me. He hasn't left me alone. And scripture tells us that over and over again. Um, just this week, I was reading in Psalm 54, that's in uh, verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. And then um, one of my favorite Psalms is 63. And I'll just paraphrase, but it talks about how God is the one who satisfies us. And um, as with like the richest of foods, and I know you're a restaurant owner. And so, you know, you like your food, you like food to taste good. You want to prepare it in a way that's pleasing to your customer. And you can relate to that, that he satisfies us more than the richest of foods. And see, the thing is, is until I'm in the middle of a pandemic, I don't really want God that much because I'm too distracted by other things that I use to satisfy myself. And so, you know, rather than focusing on some of these negative things that I've mentioned, the loneliness and the anxiety and frustration, if I could just think about how satisfying he is and how his presence is enough, I think that would, um, that would be a lot better uh, time spent. <laughs> But now, you know, like most humans, I might feel good in one moment and be believing the truth from the Bible and in the next moment slipping into some of those negative thoughts. And so um, maybe you've heard the phrase preaching the gospel to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that we have to continue to tell ourselves that Christ has died for us. We are in Christ I love also the image of that he, we can take shelter under his wing, you know, that he is, he's like a, a big old eagle <laughs> protecting us from the things around us. And, um, and so that's kind of, uh, kind of what I'm doing to survive mentally. And spiritually. I mean, I think all of that is tied together. Our mental state and our spiritual state are really close. Um, so. um, I, can, I can definitely relate to that because, uh, what is it? The, uh, whatever, whatever happens outside my control, it doesn't really, mm. doesn't really matter anymore because I, I have Jesus in me and I know he, he, he has, uh, has, he has, he has saved us already. He's, he's finished his work. So, uh, in this world, whatever happens, it, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you, you can die. That's the worst thing. Yes. You can die. What happens when you die? You go, you go to be Jesus. with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I mean, so, mm -hmm. I mean, like, like preaching gospel to myself, I, I keep, telling myself that part so 
I have, I have my comfort. I have my uh, peace. Yes, and Yes. her hope. Yeah, yeah, my hope. Impatience, impatience. I can, I can relate to impatience too, because I. Someone says a prayer like that. God, I want, I want, I want patience, and I want it now. Kind of deal. Yes, I can exactly. definitely relate to that. Yeah. So I'm like, every time I'm being impatient, I'm like. What is happening? Why can I be just patient? God, just, just fix me right away already. And, it, but it is, it just keeps coming back to the same conversation. But it, it, it is a process. So, you you have to be patient. You have, but, I think like 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 the, like like a long prayer prayer list. You, you get to you get to spend more time with them. You get, you, I'm I I pray more because it it is harder. It is. I need I need more stuff. I need more peace. I need more, I need more of them. So I I find myself pray more. So it, it is great time to develop a relationship with with Jesus at, um, in this mentally hard time. Another thing I do a lot, and I bet you do too, is listen to <laughs> worship music to keep your keep your thoughts yeah. thinking well. <laughs> Yeah. It kind Yes. of soothes the soul to listen to music that's specifically about God and about His promises and about His character that doesn't change. Um, in the midst of like a lot of change right now every day we hear something different from the news um every day we hear something different about the virus and how it's spread and how it's you know affecting people and how you know and yet he's a god who never changes and i love the image of the fact that he never slumbers or sleeps but he's always working and i think it's psalm 56 because i read it Just last week, um, he saves my tears in a bottle. <laughs> um, so he's paying attention when I'm freaking out. <laughs> he's paying attention when I'm sad. You know, it's not like he's uh, distant or too busy to pay attention. He, um, he cares. And so some of those character traits, those are the things that we have to continue to focus on. even though our circumstances may not be what we would choose. Yeah, but it is it is hard to hard to believe because it's not it doesn't like show up in in like instance because Right. I know he take care of he I believe he take care of me but at this moment like like your son you he might not have in the worst case scenario he might not have a job in 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 the summer Right. but how does that how, how does that relate to him taking care of his children because at that moment it's it it doesn't look like it so it's hard to believe but Right. but yeah it is really hard to believe but in but but i, I believe in the end because because i have my life's ups and down i i suffered a lot but in the end i, I still i'm still not in the end but at this Right. moment i looking back realizing that all the things i went through wasn't wasn't in vain all the pains i suffered Right. all the all the all the hard times i went through it, it wasn't in vain it could it it made me who i am i it it's making me who i am so i believe 
it is hard to believe, but you still have you, you still need to have faith that he will come through in the end. He will he will make things right in the end. I mean, he already has made things right already. Right, he's just, already won. Yes, but it just in this world, we it is uh, in this world. Uh, he still cares for us. He's still gonna take care of us. So, like you said, like the little birds under under the wing of the mother mm -hmm. mother bird, we we can soundly sleep no matter what happens, no matter right. what happens outside. Like there, if, even if there's a storm, even if there's whatever is out there, we can sleep soundly under under um, the arms of Jesus. Mm. So I mean, that's what I believe, um, but it is it is still hard because it's not right in front of my eyes. It's not I can right. just it's not linear succession of things that you get to see like this happened. Mm -hmm. So you, the next thing this this thing's gotta happen kind of thing. It just right. sometimes it, it's all get mixed up, jumbled up. And sometimes it never I mean, it doesn't happen for for a long time and just that's right. Yeah, so that's that's one thing I believe. Um, that's where the faith comes in, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that we have to believe even when we don't see it. Right, right. But it, it doesn't make any. It doesn't. It, it's hard to make sense of it when you, from the outside, if you don't have faith, if you don't, if you, if you don't know Jesus, it, it is hard to make sense from the outside. So. It is, it's hard to explain too. Like if you don't, it's it's not something tangible. It's, if you, faith is right. by definition, it's it's you just believe what you don't see. So it for most people, it just we're just being foolish. We're just mm -hmm. we're we're just dumb or something. That's. But there are, there are other things that we don't see. You know, we don't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. So we know it exists, you know, and I think that's not a great metaphor, but just because you don't see something doesn't mean it's not real. But I didn't know Jesus. It was, it was hard to relate to like these, these Christians saying things that they can only see, they can only believe. And I'm, I'm, what, what are they saying? It doesn't make any sense that that was, that was my opinion of Faith. So you thought that you thought that Christians were crazy, huh? Kinda. Uh, some of them are crazy. Some of them are dumb. Some, <laughs> <laughs> some, some of them were. Uh, uh, some of them were uh, very nice people, but very naive or mm. very weak or mm. something, something along that line. Yeah. Right. Well, I do. I do think sometimes the world thinks that Christians don't have brains you know they they think the the idea of faith is like you say silly or naive or unrealistic mm. or you know just uh you know and yet there's so much of science that supports faith you know so it's but i know what you're saying it does it seems very foreign it makes me think of um you know in the new testament when I think it was in one of the 
maybe first or second Peter, where it says we'll be alien and strange aliens and strangers in this land. You know, people will think we're weird, you know, because we believe the way we believe. Um, so yeah, nobody really wants that. Most of the time we just want to fit in, not be, we don't want to be set apart or alienated for what we believe. So, and yet we have to ask ourselves, well, is Jesus worth it? I mean, if we're in with Jesus, that's really all that matters. Sometimes I, sometimes I think like, am I not, am I not alien enough? Sometimes I'm thinking <laughs> that like, am I, am I too conforming? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's sometimes I think about that because uh, I've thought about that too. Yeah. When you say loneliness, like the, the, it gives us, it actually gives gives me the uh, new appreciation for uh, for the community of uh, the uh, my fellow Christians, my yes, the church. Yeah, church. Let's let's go back. How do how did you get to know Jesus? Okay, that's a good question. Um, so I was always in a Christian home and always went to church, um, but I knew I had a sin problem. You know, like I knew that compared to God, I wasn't perfect. And I had genuine sorrow over my sin, even as a little girl. And I became a Christian when I was seven. And it was, it was through vacation Bible school, because what's, what's ironic is my father at the time was a pastor of a small church. So I was a pastor's kid and, um, pastor's kids have it rough just so you know because everybody teases you and they think oh you're such a goody goody because you're a pastor's kid and so um it wasn't an easy time of my life um but I just remember uh my teacher at vacation bible school like presented the gospel and I want, I wanted to ask Jesus into my life and ask him to be my Lord and savior. And so I did. And I, I really saw a change in my life, like immediately, like I had been a child who was very, um, easily bullied by other kids and almost paralyzed by what people thought about me. So I was willing to you know, do weird things. Like there was this one girl in the first grade who would threaten me and say, give me your lunch or my big brother's going to beat you up. And so like, I don't know how many days I went without eating lunch because I would just give her my lunch. And this was ironically a girl that I wanted to be my friend, like for whatever reason, I wanted her to be my friend, even though she wasn't a very nice person. But um, anyway, so after I came to Jesus, I suddenly knew how to take up for myself. You know, like I remember in the third grade, just a few months later, moving to a new community and one of the girls in my class tried to bully me and I just didn't take it. I was like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to talk to me like that. And I, I really felt like because I had um, asked Jesus into my heart that he gave me, um, a new identity. And I knew that I didn't have to let people push me around anymore, you know? And so that was, that was very freeing for me. And, uh, and I also 
I had been very, I would get into trouble a lot in first grade. And I'm not saying I never did anything wrong again. I did plenty of things wrong, but it was just different. Like I, um, I didn't desire to do those bad things like I had once before. You know, um, some people say when they come to Christ, they have a conscience all of a sudden. And they, and you know, another way to put it is you have discernment, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, what's right and what's wrong. And so you, um, and you also have the power to say no, you know, in certain situations. And we know that that's, that's in the Bible that there's no temptation that Jesus hasn't faced himself and that he will give us the help to overcome it. And that's in Hebrews. Um, so anyway, what was even more special about that time when I came to Christ as a seven-year-old is that my dad baptized me. And so, because he was the pastor of the church at that time. And I'll never forget that. It was um, very special. And yet, you know, there were periods of time where as a teenager where I had a rebellious heart. Like I, I, um, I was not someone who did a lot of outward things, you know, like I didn't do drugs or drink alcohol or sleep with my boyfriend, those kind of things. But I also wanted my own way. And I was probably disrespectful to my parents and, you know, um, so God, continue to work on me and continue to bring him bring me to himself and so it's been you know that sanctification process is still ongoing i still have certain things that i struggle with you know whether it be discontentment or uh, a desire an over desire for control like we talked about that earlier um and so you know we know that we won't be free from sin, this side of heaven. And yet we also know that we don't have to be controlled by it because we have um, the same power that raised Christ from the dead living in us. And so, so that's just kind of a, a brief testimony of how I came to Christ. I wonder, uh, it was such a young age. So maybe it was like childlike faith kind of deal was actually better. Do you think, do you think that is possible? Well, I think maybe I was spared some things because I knew Christ at an early age, but at the same time, I think it can be a negative if you start thinking, because I think, I think sometimes in high school, I thought, you know, I've, I've chosen God. And so he kind of owes me now, you know, he owes me a good life, an easy life. You know, I've given up a lot of things for God. I could be doing all kind of crazy, rebellious things. And, you know, I'm trying to be good. And so God kind of owes me. So there's, I mean, we can, we can change even the best situations into yucky situations because we have simple hearts. <laughs> so, you know, like, and yet at the same time, I'm glad that I knew him from an early age because you know, maybe there were some paths that I didn't go down because his spirit was able to, to keep me from that. So, and yet one of my biggest sins is self-righteousness, you know, like thinking I'm better than 
those, like those people. <laughs> so, and that's pride and that's definitely not Christ-likeness. Once you become Christian, I guess it, it is easy to fall into the self-righteous trap, I guess, because you, you're, mm -hmm. you're actually putting some work into it. So maybe I, it could be easier to fall into that trap. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely relate to that. Um, but, 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 but my point was that maybe, maybe you are, uh, like Jesus, Jesus said, you have to like, you have to have childlike faith. So That's right. when you're, when you're a child, that, that faith was maybe perfect, better than, definitely than better, definitely better than teenager faith. Mm, and then true. as you get older, as you put more efforts into it, I, I deserve more kind of deal. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. <laughs> I was just wondering, I was just in my head, in my head, I was just wondering. Because... Mm -hmm. Because it is so pure, and when you're a child, it is it is so easily so moldable too. Like it, when you when you're a kid, when your parents say something, you say yes, ma'am, yes, dad, and just right. follow the directions and have much more pure a heart. But now that I'm old, if somebody says something, even if it's God, give me a reason why I should do it, or it's mm. always like uh, so. That's right. Maybe, but there's but then there's the sanctification process though. You you have to. Well, and another another thing, you know, you're talking about childlike faith. Um, I think it was Matthew Eichert that did a little devotion for our church staff recently on that passage about when the little children came to Jesus and the disciples were kind of like, "Ugh, Jesus is busy. You know, he's got better things to do than deal with you." You know. And, and Jesus says, you know, let them come, don't hinder them because such is the kingdom of heaven, you know, and he commended that childlike faith. And uh, one of the things that um, Matthew pointed out is that children, like you were saying, they are more trusting, you know, like they are more likely to believe what their parents say and to trust things and to be more obedient because, you know, they're not as cynical as <laughs> we adults have become. But the other thing he pointed out was children are always dependent. Like they're dependent on their families for pretty much everything, for shelter, for food, you know, like their parents meet all their basic needs. And I think that's what God wants us to be like with him is completely dependent. And unfortunately, we would rather be self-sufficient most, most of the time rather than dependent upon him. Because in this world, everybody's like, you have to be independent. You have to be independent. You have to take care of yourself. You have to take control of yourself. You have to take control of the situation. That's right. the value that we, yeah, we, including me, are going for uh, and a value, but but jesus says we we need to be dependent on him we need we need to lean into him we need to be the uh the branches of the vine mm -hmm. that's right yeah so it's uh it is it is counterintuitive how do you how how could you how can you explain that to uh to the to the people who don't, who don't know jesus mm. well it's a good question and i mean 
sometimes we just can't explain things, you know, like unless the Holy Spirit opens their eyes and helps them see their need, then we can make the best argument in the world. But like you said, a lot of Christ, a lot of the aspects of Christianity are counterintuitive and countercultural, like so countercultural to what they're hearing. Um, so, I mean, we can say those things, but I think we have to be constantly praying that the Spirit goes before us and softens their hearts, because it's not it's not about us making the best argument in the world, you know, the most cerebral argument and having all our facts in a row. You know, it's so much deeper than that. And unless the spirit draws them, it's not going to happen. You know, they're not going to come. That doesn't mean we shouldn't share. It just means that we know God's doing the work and we just have to be faithful to share. So the other day I did something that I haven't done in a long time. And I tried to share the gospel with the lady at the Walmart pickup because it was right before Easter and I didn't know exactly what to say, but I'd seen her probably five or six times. Like she'd been the same lady to load my groceries in the car, you know, five or six times. And I just said, you know, this has really been on my mind this week because it's close to Easter. And I said, do you know Jesus? And she wasn't like completely, Wah, but she, I felt like a wall kind of went up a little bit. And she said, um, oh, I've heard this. And, and I didn't want to like be too preachy um, or to, certainly not to act like I had it all together or that I had something great to offer her. But instead I said, well, I'm really scared in the midst of all that's going on. And if I didn't have Jesus, I don't know what I would do. And that was all I said, you know, and, you know, she didn't make a decision that day, but it was a seed, I hope, you know, and maybe somebody else will share Jesus with her. I don't, it doesn't have to be about me, but I felt compelled to say something. And and I was a little, I, I hadn't seen her again until today. And so I was a little worried that like, oh, she's probably told the other Walmart workers, if this lady orders groceries, I'm not taking them out there. You know, I'm going to avoid her at all costs. But, um, but I saw her today and I didn't say anything about Jesus per se, but I was friendly and she didn't treat me like the plague or anything. Like she, she spoke, you know. Um, we talked about our Easter's and, um, you know, I asked how her family was doing. And so I do think that the best way to share Christ is through a relationship. And when you, when you've actually built some trust with somebody, then they're going to be more likely to listen. Even if what we have to offer them is completely countercultural and counterintuitive. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes I feel bad actually, like, do you, uh, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. <laughs> you're gonna lose a lot of your friends. You're gonna lose a lot of your possessions. Uh, well, <laughs> that can happen. That really can happen. Because I mean, it is, the, the life, life, life we are going after is 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 
not so not so glamorous life that they're they're dreaming about. So it That's is. right. I kind of I kind of feel bad. I know I know it's I know it's a good thing, but but it it is. Uh... Well, it's not like we can say, hey, come to Jesus and your life will be great. Right. Right. Yeah. Because like that depends on what your definition of great is. You know, we were talking about what's the worst thing that could happen to me right now? Because if as a believer, if we die, well, we're present with the Lord. You know, that can't. That can't be any better. That's like the ultimate. And yet, like I have trouble sharing the gospel with people who are real affluent, like they've got lots of money. They've got to, you know, practically have a yacht and they have a, a house that's so much nicer than anything I've got. You know, like they don't see their need, you know, like or at least not from a um, worldly possessions kind of need. Now, maybe they have broken relationships, you know, and they know that that brokenness is there. And yet we know that when we come to Christ, that doesn't mean that we don't have any tr trouble relating to people because we're still going to have things that are challenging, you know, in the relationship area. We're still, he's not guaranteeing us that we'll never have physical or financial needs again, you know. So this is not about a guarantee of a smooth, life and so yeah like i see what you're saying about what what we have to offer a non-christian may not be something that they want once they understand it is a good thing it, it is a good thing but it, well from from the outside it's 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 it's, it's a life of sacrifice it's a life of that's uh right and no yeah one wants to sacrifice right there right you go life life of a servant life life of yes humble heart kind of deal so Yes. it's like it's like, even though it's a good thing it's kind of hard to like <laughs> Yeah, it's, but it's not our job to make it look attractive to them. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. sometimes I think we overthink it. We got, oh, well, I got to package this up so it looks really attractive, you know, like some, but I mean, when you think about when Jesus called his disciples, You know, he just said, follow me, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And I like, they must have really, the spirit must have spoken to them because it didn't make sense for them to just give up their jobs and just start following him around. I mean, what did they, did they even earn money when they were following him? I don't know, but it did, like you said, it was counterintuitive. It wasn't, didn't make a lot of sense. And yet they had to step out in faith and trust who he was. And they didn't even really know who he was. They thought he was a nice guy, but they didn't know he was the son of God until much later. <laughs> but I mean, as they spent more time with him, I'm sure that they, they, I mean, obviously he did miracles and they saw that happen. And, and they developed a friendship for him. They knew he was a powerful teacher, but as far as them knowing he was the savior of the world, they didn't get that till later. One of one of the one of the thing like uh, who do you say I am? And Peter said, uh, "You're you're You you're are the the Christ. you're the Christ." And 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 on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And Peter got that in that moment, but still, That's right. 
he wasn't able to come through. Yeah, times. he wasn't able to come through. So yeah. Yep. It's just a reminder that it's never about us, you know, and about whether we do it right. But it's about how he has already done everything on our behalf. Also, that is hard to hard to comprehend. Grace. Oh yeah. Hard. Yeah. Pretty much everybody have heard grace. Saved by grace, and to understand that is something else. Well, and I don't think our minds can really grasp it all. I mean, it's only when the Spirit kind of gives us. I think He gives it to us in in uh, small doses because we really can't handle it. And that reminds me: is it in Isaiah? I would have to look where it says His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts than our our thoughts. You know, like mm. we don't, we don't understand that our minds are not really capable mm. of what God's mind is capable of. Right. Let's talk about your, uh, your, uh, your role as a worship leader. What is worship? Let's go let's start with that. What is worship? I think the best way to define worship is just giving God praise because he's worth it. You know, like worship in, in its, like the structure of the word itself is like, it's talking about something that's worthy. All right. Worthy of praise, worthy of our honor and our attention and our, um, and so, I mean, all of what we do on Sunday morning is worship, not just the singing part, you know, like the singing part. And that's another thing that probably as I grew up, I didn't consider like the preaching and the praying and the sacraments and things like that that were happening in the worship service, worship. I thought it was just the singing part, you know? And so I've come to understand that all of those things are giving worth to our God, you know, and um, I think it's incredible that most worship services are meant to look like a conversation between God and us, you know, like God calls us to worship and we respond. Um, and that response can be, you know, like a corporate reading, or it could be a song. And then God calls us to confess, you know, like there comes a point in that service where, oh my goodness, we realize that God is God and we're not, and we have a big problem apart from Christ. And so we confess our sins. And then we usually read a passage of scripture at our church that talks about the blood of Christ and how we're covered by that blood of Christ and we're washed clean. And then we sing songs about the cross and what he's accomplished on our behalf. And then we give um, our tithes and our offerings. That's another response that we have an opportunity to respond. We pray for the needs of our church. We all corporately pray together and then we hear the word of God. And so that's, God speaking to us. And then we usually respond at the end with a song. So it's just this beautiful back and forth, God, and then us. And it's, I never understood until probably the last 15 years 
that a worship service was supposed to be a conversation between God and in us. Um, so for me, because I love music and because that's what I was trained to do, a, a part of the worship service that's super meaningful to me is the part where we sing or play instruments. Um, but again, it's all about giving him the attention, giving him the praise, giving him the glory and the honor, you know, all of it is for him. And yet it ends up being an encouragement to us too. Like we, we have the opportunity to like say things about God that we believe and that are in the Bible through a song. So we're singing our theology. We're singing what we believe to be true about God. And that's powerful. I mean, a lot of people, when they're studying for a test, they put the stuff to music because it helps them remember. Well, how much more should we put truths about God to music so that we remember, you know? And so that in times of crisis, like we're in right now with this pandemic, we can sing and our spirits can be convinced, I guess, of his faithfulness to us. And at the same time, it shouldn't all be about us and how we feel, but it's bringing honor to him too. So it is, it is a beautiful, I guess it is a beautiful exchange in mm -hmm. some ways. Yeah. Um, when you're, when you're in front of the, uh, the, the congregation, when you're in front of people, do you feel, do you feel extra, uh, that I have to have all my stuff together to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you feel like I, you, you're, cause when I, when I first became Christian, I, I struggled with that a lot. I, I, um, outwardly I am, I say I'm Christian and I, my act, my acts and my thoughts and my, my behaviors are not up to par with what Christians, what Jesus tell us that we should be. So I struggle mm -hmm. with that part. Do you, but, but as a someone who is up there leading us in worship, do you feel that extra, uh, pressure pressure? Yeah. Maybe mm. that's the right word. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not the, really the worship leader. But, well, Jesus is. Jesus is really the worship leader. That takes a lot of pressure off right there. Mm. I mean, I might be like bringing people in so we all come in together. But ultimately, he is the one that's leading us all. And it's so cool because not only is he leading us, but he's the object of our worship all at the same time. And so I'm not saying I don't ever, I don't ever start to think think that I have that pressure because I do think that um, because I'm a weak sinner <laughs> that I like try to put pressure on myself and and I think probably Satan works to say things to me especially on Sunday mornings about you if you were a real Christian you wouldn't have that argument with your husband on the way to church or you you know, you can't stand up there in front of all those people and be, and be truthful and actually lead them because 
you know that you've failed multiple times this week. You know, so there is a lot of resistance. Um, I read in a book that uh, Margaret and I are going through together that talks about how Satan hates worship worse than anything else. You know, like he's, he's going to do everything in his power to keep worship from happening because he doesn't want God to be glorified, you know? And so a lot of times he uses our weak flesh against us, you know, whether it be, um, and it can be two things. It could be me feeling unworthy or it could be me feeling, feeling overconfident, you know, like it could be both of those things that try to detract from Jesus actually getting the glory. And so do I feel responsible? Yes. I feel like I'm responsible for doing my very best to carefully pick songs that are going to put truth in the mouths of the people so that they, they have tools to fight against some of the very things we talked about today um, and some of the lies from the enemy throughout the week. You know, so if they don't have a song that gives them a weapon against bad things, then, then I have failed. You know, like I want to give them good songs, good truths, things that, that really talk about who Jesus is. And so from that angle, I do feel responsible. And yet, ultimately, I think humility is the biggest thing that I could like try to exude, you know, and maybe that's the wrong way to say it because if I'm trying too hard, maybe it's not genuine, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Jesus. And, and that's, that's a hard place. Um, it's, it, it's takes constant laying, laying it down, you know? Um, so do I do it perfectly every week? No. But what's so good is that Jesus is still praised, whether my heart is in the right place. I mean, it's, it goes back to what you and I said before about just the gospel in general is not about us being good enough. So like if, if, I, if I waited until I was good enough to get up there and sing songs, I'd never get up there. You know, like the only thing that makes me qualified is the blood of Jesus. Yeah, that's 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 the message of grace. Absolutely, this. If you wait till you 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 you're good enough, you're never gonna receive grace, because right. it, it doesn't matter what you've done. You, you don't need to clean up your act. You just come to Jesus as as you are. It just He'll accept you no matter no matter what state are you you are in. It's that's, right. that's the message of Jesus. Uh, so I think, I think, uh, I think, I think you spoke beautifully about grace. Um, what is your what is your favorite uh, song or hymn? Or oh. if you if you know the top five, that's fine too. Oh wow! So, uh, I I mean I 
I always have songs that I love, you know, um, one thing that the Lord is really good to do for me is almost every day I wake up, there's a song playing in my head and, and it's usually one we've been doing at the church, you know, and it's full of, um, just, it kind of washes over me and gives me reassurance that he's there. So, um, believe it or not, uh, one of my favorite songs is It Is Well With My Soul. And most of the time when I sing it, though, there's a part of me that's going, it's really not okay with my soul. <laughs> because, I mean, it just, it brings me to tears because I want to be able to say, no matter what happens mm -hmm. to me, no matter what happens to the people in my life that I care about, I trust you. So it's interesting because I remember having to sing that as a solo at a funeral about four years ago when a man in our congregation died of a brain tumor. And I remember when they asked me to do it, I thought, I don't want to sing that song because I'm not okay with Ray passing away this early in life. He was in his 40s. And to me, it just seems so wrong that he would die at such an early age. Um, but I can feel myself starting to let go a little more. And, you know, it, it also helps to know the story behind that song and how he wrote it as he right on the brink of losing all of his daughters at sea and how he was able to say those things. Um, I need that reminder because there are some days I believe the words to that song. And then there are other days where I'm not so sure. Um, but I would definitely say that that's in my top five. And I also love, singing uh, some of the Getty songs that are straight from the Psalms. Like one of my favorites is I Will Wait For You. And it's based on Psalm 130. And I think it's very um, timely that we sing songs like that because we are in a waiting period. And we can't make a whole lot of projections about our future. And like you said earlier, um, this time can be a time where we're drawing closer to the Lord, where we're working on that relationship, where we have more time to pray, more time to sing, more time in his word, more time to, to trust him, to get to know him. Um, so those are a couple of my favorites, but uh, I have too many favorites. <laughs> Yeah, I knew it was a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it was great talking to you, Laurie. Uh, it was uh, it was pleasure, and I, 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 like I said, I miss I miss worshiping with you on Sundays, and I um, hopefully we can uh, get back together again soon. Um, I hope so too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Thank Troy. you.